In late 2016, I went to Latvia for the first time. It was the first time for me, and it was the first time that anyone in my family had been back there since they had fled in 1945 after World War II. And it felt like I was going full circle. And although the nature of that circle would be somewhat unclear to me for years to come, it did serve as a sort of catalyst. So in this episode of the podcast, I wanted to get back more into the memoir portion of the Hyper Memoir podcast and talk about a trip that I took to Latvia in 2016, which, as I just mentioned, turned out to be a turning point that shifted a lot of things in my life, both personally and creatively. I'm Chris Valtimes, and this is the Hyper Memoir Podcast, where we talk about finding and developing your creative voice, among other things. And usually, I like to bring in my personal stories. I don't want to just give blank, bald information about creativity, because a big part of this podcast and my thinking in general is the more that we can inject our personal stories into the things that we're talking about, the more those things will resonate, the more they'll mean to the people who are hearing them. So for me, I wanted to bring it a little bit back to the story that I've been telling. If you've listened to some of the earlier episodes, you've heard me touch on some of this stuff. And for those of you who haven't been listening to previous episodes, I'll get into it. I'll talk about what it means. And there's other places you can go to learn more. But one of the things that I did and this was about seven years ago. The reason I'm even doing this podcast is I just got a memory on Facebook or I looked at my photos and I saw that as of this recording, which is early October slash late September of 2023, it had been almost exactly seven years since I went to Latvia for the first time. So for those of you who don't know, you don't have the context of why I would even do that. What's the point? Like, what is this even about? My family came from Latvia after World War II. So that's my mother's side of the family. And they were taken prisoner by the Nazis who were fleeing Latvia because the Russians were coming in. So it was kind of a mess. And for those of you who don't know the history of the Eastern Front in World War II, it was kind of the worst place in the world. Not going to go too much into that. That's one of the things that I explored a lot. And I think in an earlier episode when I talked about looking at darkness and looking at the bad things that might have happened how that can be a source of creative energy. But that's beside the point for now. But this is really just to tell you that the reason I went to Latvia is because of family reasons. And I wanted to learn more about my family. I wanted to learn more about where I had come from. Because growing up as a person who was adopted and didn't know about my family, Latvia was this mythical place. It didn't really exist to me because I'd never been there and because I'd been adopted and because my family had all passed away by the time I became an adult or became old enough to find them, I didn't have anybody I could ask about this stuff. So a lot of it involved me actually digging in and looking at things that were left behind and also uh, going to the places. So I found that by going to Latvia, by going to other places, I could develop a connection with the story that was brewing in my mind. And the reason why I went, and I think what ended up happening, is it started a reckoning. Because my family history was complicated. My family came to, the, came to America, not just the United States, which is what I was going to say, but also Canada. My grandfather, the artist Zanis Valtimes, who I've mentioned on this podcast before, 
He uh, went to Montreal, Canada. My family came to Grand Rapids, Michigan. This is after World War II. They were refugees after World War II. There's a lot of displaced people because of the political situation after the war, the beginning of the Cold War, stuff like that. So they ended up here in the United States. And it was one of those immigration stories that I say kind of went awry. You hear about a lot of the successful immigration stories where someone comes from a war-torn place or comes as a refugee and manages to succeed, and those are great stories. We should have more of them. But there are stories, there are immigration stories that don't necessarily go as people would have hoped. And the story of my family is one of those. Um, I'm the sole survivor of my family. So of the family that emigrated here, I'm the only one, as far as I can tell, who's alive from that group. I have distant relatives who have discovered, but in terms of my direct uh, linear, I guess you could say family, I'm the only one. So a lot of them passed. And I talk about that in other episodes of the podcast. I will talk about it more in the future. Um, I've talked about it in the book that I wrote, which will be coming out. So a lot of stuff that's going to be revealed in the future. But as the sole survivor, as I mentioned a moment ago, I didn't have many people to ask about this stuff. And so for me, it was about interpreting and figuring out what had happened with my family. What were the events that had led to me being adopted? And a lot of the stuff that I found, a lot of the stuff that I was working with were secondary sources that came from my search for information about my family, which is something that I was engaged in pretty heavily for over a decade. And it's something I've written about and shared about, and we'll share more about if that's something that's interesting to you all. But a lot of what I learned was from secondary sources that I had found, documents, records, letters, journals, articles. But I never had a chance to speak with someone who was there. And I always had this hope that either I'd find a distant relative, which I did, or I'd find someone who could come to me and kind of tell me what happened, tell me what's the story. But largely it was left up to me. So what that meant was I knew from the beginning, at some point, I'd have to go to Latvia. I just didn't know when that would happen. So it happened in 2016. Um, and my hope in going there was that truth would begin to reveal itself. Um, or if not truth, then maybe some angle on the truth, some interpretation of the truth. Because we have stories. All of us have stories about things that have happened in our life or to our family or before us or after us, whatever. But sometimes it's just about the angle, the interpretation, the way we look at things and the story that we actually create and becoming a co-creator in the story that we're telling. And I've heard recently someone uh, explain Benjamin Hardy. He's a, I believe, a psychologist. He's a PhD. Um, I'll, link to, I'll link to this video that I'm referring to right now in my newsletter. But he said something really interesting in a video that I watched from him the other day, which is, that we're not so much subject to the past, but rather we're subject to the meaning that we make of the past, which is a big difference. So the past exists and things have happened. And this is something I've always thought about. Wars happen, famine happens, displacement happens, disease, all the horrible things that you can think of and all the good things that you can think of. They all happen. These are real events that occur. Now, for someone like me, who is a couple of generations removed from those things, my challenge is to figure out how to not be bound by the past, not be bound by that trauma, by that intergenerational, and try to eke out a different meaning, try to find a different way to look at things that's more productive for my life. And that's really the path that I've been on, is how do I turn what 
could be seen as an unabashed negative into something of a positive or changing the meaning of it, at least internally. And I think we all have the power to do that. And that's what I'm talking about with hyper memoir and talking about creative voice and all this kind of stuff. I really do believe that it's not just about events, but it's how we sequence the events in our mind and how we tell the story, how we interpret them, which is why I feel like it's so important for people to actually write their stories and work with their stories and share their stories to change that meaning because it does take some work. It's not something you can just have happen. So that's what I was doing. I was going to Latvia with that mindset. And so why did I go to Latvia exactly seven years ago? Well, that's interesting because seven years ago, a cultural organization in Latvia was putting on an art exhibit and it was called Survival Kit and it included several pieces by my late grandfather, Zanis Valtimes. Um, you might remember from previous episodes, I discovered him in 2009. He's a geometric artist. I'll link to his artwork or you can Google him. He's all over the place. He's getting more and more known. But the point was, this was in two, uh, 2016, and there hadn't really been many exhibits of his work. So this was a small exhibit in a um, converted manor house that was in Riga, Latvia. And this was his home country. So he had come from Riga, Latvia. That's where he had lived and studied. And um, for me to, to know that his artwork was being displayed there, I was like, I have to go. And I think I only decided that I was going to go a couple of weeks before I actually went. Um, I didn't plan to go like, you know, a month before, two months before. I think I'd heard about the exhibit, but I thought to myself, well, I don't need to go or the time isn't right or what a big step and I'm not going to do it. And then I think two or three weeks prior, I'm like, wait, actually, yes, I am going to go. So that's what I did. I went to Riga, Latvia. And the other part of that puzzle was in the previous few years and even in the year before, I'd started to get in touch with distant relatives who still lived in Europe. I had one group of relatives or one relative, I guess I, I should say, who lived in Germany. She was also going to come to Latvia at that same time. I had met some relatives who lived in Russia and they were going to come to Latvia at that same time. So this was this kind of convergence of these far-flung bits of the family that had managed to survive the 20th century. So there we were. We were all going to meet up in Riga, Latvia. And it was interesting because that would be the first time I'd met the relatives from Russia. They had reached out to me, I think, a, uh, a, few, a few months before the trip and got in touch with me. They had found me on the Internet, whole other story. But um, I was going to see my relatives from Germany. And it was a coming together of people. And so, again, like I said in the beginning of the episode, I harbored this hope that maybe someone could tell me something, which kind of turned out to be true. I did learn a lot. But going to the place meant a lot to me. Going to the place meant a lot to me because I knew as I was flying there, I was really thinking about, I was the first person, I believe it was 70 years or so, in 70 years who had been back to Latvia. I don't think anyone else in my immediate family had been back to Latvia since the late 40s or middle 40s. So I was the first one going. And that really struck me. That really meant a lot to me, knowing that I was going back to a place that a big part of my family had been connected to. I didn't know what to expect. Um, I'd been to Croatia and other places in Eastern Europe, but I'd never been to anywhere that had been a former Soviet state, I guess you could say, or occupied by the Soviets. So that was interesting to kind of go into places that were part of the former Soviet Union. For me, that was a new kind of travel. Um, so it was interesting. I, I went to Latvia. I took um, some discount airline. I think I'm not going to mention it, but 
point was it was kind of a crazy trip. It took me a long time. I think it took me like 20 hours. I stopped in Oslo and all these other places on the way because Latvia is really far north. It's Scandinavia adjacent. It's Russia adjacent. So it's like the mix of Scandinavia and Eastern countries, I guess you could say to a certain degree. But anyway, that was the trip from LA to Riga, long trip. And when I got there, and when I woke up in the morning, when I started looking around, when I had breakfast, when I started seeing all the things, I started to feel a sense of history. I started to feel that maybe I did have some connection to this place, tenuous as it was. And I'd met my relatives and we had breakfast together and had talked and there's a lot of stuff that transpired then. But I felt like I was starting to develop that connection by being there. And I felt this sort of sense that in a way, it was honoring the ancestors. And I've talked about that before and how important that is to me that we honor our ancestors and we look back at what they've gone through and find ways to connect with that in our own lives. Um, but what was interesting, I had this feeling as I was walking around, um, Latvia is a tiny country. I think it's like 2 million people, um, which is a small country anyways. But one of the things I knew from World War II and 20th century history is that a lot of people died in World War II. A lot of people fled after World War II. And a lot of people fled when the Soviets occupied Latvia. So for me, I always had this sense that there were a lot of people missing. As I was walking around, I felt like this feeling of like 20 to 30% of the people that I should be seeing, I'm not seeing, or there should be more people here. And maybe it's because I come from a big city, Los Angeles, that I felt, felt like there should be more just that, having that kind of that feeling of connection, knowing the history and, and in a way kind of sensing it was interesting to me. So I don't know if that's my interpretation. I don't know if other people see it that way, but that's what I felt. So I went to Latvia. I only stayed for a few days and I was jet lagged most of the time, but we went to see this exhibit. It was in a converted manor house. Um, it was a lot of artists from, I believe they were all Latvian or at least Latvian and Lithuanian or at least Eastern European, but it was a show that included my grandfather's artwork. And so it was really nice for the first time to see his artwork in a museum setting, to see a museum show where other people were appreciating it. I got to see other people look at the artwork. Actually, I had seen his artwork a few years earlier at a university exhibit, but this was one, um, again, more momentous because this one was actually in Latvia where he came from. So I saw his artwork and the artwork of other artists and it just kind of helped me get connected to the idea also that people were starting to appreciate what he had done. He had been kind of a hermit through his life. So it was nice to see him getting some recognition in Latvia. He'd get more, but that was the start. And for me, that was a big part of it. I was only there for a few days, but that few days was enough to be a catalyst, was enough for me to start connecting with history in a different way. And as I mentioned, I'd been in a search. I'd been looking for a lot of stuff about my family. I'd found a lot of information that on its surface was just information, dates and people and addresses and places and events that occurred. But I didn't really have a coherent story or I wasn't able to start developing a coherent story around it until I actually went to Latvia, until I actually got that feeling, until I felt like, okay, there's some connection. And I don't know what it is about travel, but I don't feel like you can know a place unless you actually go there. You can read all you want about the history of a place and you can become an expert. You can have all the facts. But I feel like once you set foot in a place where things happen, 
things start to change. They start to change inside you and you start to learn more in a way that you can't from a distance. And I hear a lot of people talk about the concept of generational curses, which is a term that feels a little too little too deterministic for me and maybe a little too metaphysical for me. But I get what they're saying. They're talking about patterns that we have across generations, the way that we respond to things, the way that previous traumas and tragedies of our ancestors can affect our lives and our outlook. So it's not so much a curse, I wouldn't say, but it could be a tendency. It could be a story. It could be something that you're, you know, it's a karma. It's a kind of a path dependency, like because certain things happen because your parents moved to a certain city when they were young, that's where you grew up. There's always these things that happen, but you can always change any of that. You know, your life is determined by what happened in the past. But as I said earlier, it's not completely determined. It's actually determined by the story that you have about your past. So that's the big difference. And that's the difference that started to unfold for me there in Latvia is that now that I had this connection, and maybe even without the connection, this would have happened, this connection to this country I felt like I could start to understand the story and change the story and mold the story, which is what I did. I ended up writing a book about it because that was the that was the output of this. That was the end point of me doing this internal and external searching and connecting and, and learning. Um, so you hear about generational curses and, and you hear about people breaking generational curses, which is what I felt like I was doing there. And it takes work, breaking generational curses takes a lot. I mean, some people, maybe it's therapy, maybe it's meditation, maybe it's plant medicine or something like that, that people can engage in to look at the patterns they're living, look at the stories they're living that have been handed down from ancestors and then shift them if they need to. So that's what it was. The journey seemed like it was breaking, you know, breaking the curse. So what did it take? You know, what kind of, what other things went through my head as I went there? Um, I think there was an element of looking into the darkness. I did a previous episode about looking at darkness. It's called Right On for the Darkness. But the story is about, or the episode and the idea is about, in order to address things like, quote unquote, generational curses, you do have to look at things that are unpleasant sometimes. If it's war, if it's famine, if it's abuse, those things are unpleasant and they're hard to deal with. And I always recommend you get support when you're doing it, but you do have to look in the darkness. It's not good enough to just shuffle it away or ignore it because then it becomes part of the shadow. Then it becomes something that can kind of creep up behind you and get you and affect your life in a lot of ways you might not even be aware of. So you really have to be bold and take on a lot of this darkness straightforward. It doesn't mean you get stuck in it or that you always exist in it or that you wallow in it, but you do have to look at it. I believe that. Um, as I said, there's value in going to places where things happen. We can look at things from a distance. We can read about things, but I do feel like there's an emotional impact if you go to a place where something happened. So if we're, again, talking about this idea of stories, and I'm going to call it generational stories, actually. If we're talking about generational stories, then everything happened in a place. So whether that place is somewhere far away like Latvia, or whether it's the town next to you, or the next state, I think it can help to go there. And you might not even go there with any kind of agenda or reason why you're there. So there might be, there might not be an art exhibit that you're going to, or there might not be a plan. You might just go there. And sometimes being there, just kind of feeling how things are 
can tell you a lot. And it's about changing the interpretation. So for a long time, I saw my family story as an unmitigated tragedy. And I really felt bad. It really felt heavy. It really felt like something that Overall, I was like, I wish this didn't happen. Why did it have to happen to me? Why did it have to happen like that? And so you get into a lot of self-pity and over-victimhood. And I don't like that. I don't like being in that space. I like being in a more positive zone. So what this did is it helped me to start turning towards having gratitude, for having the gratitude that, yes, while these terrible things happen, I'm going to choose to look at it that I'm alive, my children is alive, my family is alive. I'm able to tell this story. I'm able to share something from it. I'm able to extract the gold from what happened. And I think that's the best way I can honor the things that happened and the sacrifices that people made and how hard they worked and how much they tried, even if the bad things ended up happening. All of these people that I'm talking about, my family, my grandfather, my mother, my grandmother, they all tried their best. They did a lot. I know this. I know those facts. And so I'm not going to be in a state of self-pity because that would be dishonoring them and I'm not going to do it. Um, because a lot of this is about honoring ancestors and it doesn't mean necessarily building a shrine to your ancestor in the corner of your house. You can, but it really is about looking at what the people of the past have given to you and figuring out how you can make that part of your life and acknowledge it. And then finally, and I've talked about, talked about this a lot, um, it's about telling your story. So making this travel, making this um, shifting, this changing of your story is the story. Like the way that you change, the way that you change when you do things like travel or confront things from the past, that becomes a story, that becomes your gold. And um, I'm going to leave it there. I know it's kind of an abrupt ending, but yeah, it was an interesting thing. And I've written about it in my book that isn't out yet, but it will be. And uh, there's more detail about exactly what I did and saw. And uh, But I think the point remains. Like this podcast is really talking about the value of going somewhere, the value of traveling if that's available to you. And even if it's not available to you, I think just finding maybe some other way to develop that emotional resonance. It could be food. It could be um, art or books or music or whatever from that place. But I do think that having that cultural connection to your past is going to always be powerful. And even if it doesn't do what I'm saying here in this podcast, it really can't be a bad thing, can it? So that's what I wanted to talk about today. I'm Chris Valdheims, and this is the Hyper Memoir Podcast. If you like this kind of stuff, if you're into what I'm talking about, if you're a creative person who's trying to get better at telling your story, which is me, that's why I'm doing this podcast. If you're a creative person who's trying harder to develop a creative voice, that's me, that's why I'm doing this podcast. I'm sharing what I'm learning on this podcast. And I also have a newsletter, which I have linked in the show notes for this episode. And I'm also going to try to link to some additional resources, some pictures I took in Latvia, and maybe link to some other things. I think I'll even put an excerpt from my book, if I can, into that so that you can kind of get more of a sense of what I'm talking about here. Because it was an interesting trip. It was an interesting story. There's a lot of cool visuals to show you, least of them being my grandfather's art. But then what does Latvia look like? What did I see? What did I do? Again, not I'm not going to do a crazy travel log, but I think a few pictures would definitely give you some um, context into what I'm talking about. So thank you for listening. And by the way, one final thing, if you can take like 15 seconds and leave a rating and review for this podcast, it actually amplifies it and gets it out to more people. So I appreciate that kind of support. I'm not looking for money from anybody, but if you could support me in that way, I'd be really grateful. Thank you.